And hello, everybody. It is Tom Chenault, and it is the Legacy Leadership Show with Adrian and Tom. How are you doing, Adrian? I am great, and we are so happy to have Camelia with us today. This is going to be a fun show, isn't it? Oh, man. You know what? I love this woman, and I love her sidekick, Mike. And I just think she is extraordinary. Who do we have next week before we even get out of here? Because that's kind of cool. Tell him. Ivan Meisner and Brian Hilliard. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Yeah. And both of these guys, Meisner just got back from the Antarctica. As you know, he's the head of BNI and he is not going to be anywhere near the guest that Kim is today, but he is going to be pretty doggone good. And then the following week, We've got that guy named Joe Soto. So, and then I think we've got Kim Kiyosaki starting out the new year. So we are going to rock it and roll it on this new format. And the new format is less Tom Chenault pandering to the guests with meaningless questions and not so genuine compliments. And we are turning <laughs> into deeper thinkers as a result of feedback from him, Richard Brooke, a lot of people that say, Tom, cut the fluff get serious. So we've been selecting guests that are that, that have done unbelievably well in the network marketing business or in business as a rule, as you know, like Mark Victor Hansen last week and his beautiful wife, Crystal. And what we want to do is elevate the conversation. And what I love about Kim, I know a lot of million dollar earners in network marketing. I mean, I do a ton of them. I know they're friends of mine, but finding one that has done so much more than make that money to make the world a better place is few and far between. People talk about it, but rarely do you meet somebody working at 24 seven and my hat's off to this woman and what they're doing. They live down in the middle of Mexico. We're gonna get down and visit them one of these days, yes, but take are. it away little buddy. That's the real reason that we needed to interview Kim is that we needed to make sure that our invite is really <laughs> it had to be stone. rock solid yeah. to get down there. The life you guys are living, every time that Mike posts a video of what you guys are up to, it is incredible. And so, Kim, it's great to have you here. Wait How a minute, you? wait a minute. Our barker's already barking. I know. It's Richard Brooke has already told us, you're talking too much, Tom. Please let Kim have the microphone, but take it away, Adrian. All right. Kim, great to have you here. How are you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Muy bien, gracias, as I should say from Mexico, right? I'm doing really great. Thanks for inviting me. I'm honored to be on the show. Awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you here, and I'm going to have to dust off my English to Spanish dictionary, but that will uh, that will be for another day. So, Kim, yeah, it's been fun just getting to learn a little bit of your story, and you really, I mean, you grabbed hold of the network marketing profession from a pretty young age. And so, talk about your early career and and how you got the vision to jump out of a traditional role and in, into network marketing so early in your life? Sure. Um, well, I think the biggest thing for me was I saw my parents, um, you know, having jobs and putting food on the table and shelter over our head and stuff like that, but they didn't really love what they did. You know, they didn't love it. And I wanted to love what I do. I wanted to also be able to travel and have time freedom and I just saw them bogged down sometimes. As a young kid, I guess I was pretty aware of that. I don't know. Um, but it seemed like it. And, and then my mom, when she got to me, what I believe was her career, uh, she was a massage therapist, an esthetician, but she uh, wasn't, she didn't do that until she was in her 50s. And then uh, she got an autoimmune. Um, and that prevented her from being able to do it consistently. And she loved doing it. So, so for me, I just said, you know what, I want to do what I love to do and then be able to live where I want. Cause I definitely knew I didn't want to live in Canada forever. Um, so I worked the, I worked a couple, you know, I, I graduated from high school. I was the first one to graduate from high school in my family. Yay. There's a couple of us now. <laughs> and then, um, I didn't want to go to college cause I hated high school. I figured it was going to be really cool to have a boss and a briefcase and a job and a paycheck. And then I worked for the bank of Montreal and Bell Canada, two huge organizations, companies in Canada, and I just felt the cutthroat right away. Like, I was like, I thought this would be cool, you know? And then I felt like everybody was telling me what to do and I didn't want to do it. And I was that girl at work that if it was somebody's birthday, like if it was Tom's birthday and we could decorate his desk, I would be like, hey, I'll go decorate it. And like <laughs> take five hours to do it without having to work. <laughs> it was that kind of girl. I still did everything properly, but I was, um, I, I always tell myself I was a rebel without a cause 
Um, but I feel oh, like I'm a rebel with a cause now. <laughs> there we go. I love that. And so, so how, you were like in your early 20s when you got exposed to network marketing. Yeah. So basically I hated my life. And when I was exposed to network marketing, um, I was introduced to uh, my boyfriend's aunt, actually, an uncle uh, at the time was uh, introduced me to network marketing and I really didn't get it, but they took me to a meeting and I didn't, I still didn't get it. And then they took me to a different meeting with a different company because we know how some people <laughs> move to different companies and I got it. I got it. And I was, I was ever since then I've been in. So, you know, I was 23 years old, I'm very green, but what I loved about it the most was the personal development because I needed it. And so that's what kept me in, even when I wasn't making so much money at first, um, that's what kept me in because it was the people and they cared about you and the goals and, and how I could better myself to become attractive to other people. Uh, so that's what I was really, really turned on to. That's amazing. And so, do you remember, was there like, was there a shift for you, whether from a personal development perspective or like where, where did it really, you know, sort of turn over, right? Cause like when you're in your early twenties, you get the vision, but it's it, especially, you know, this is like before a huge, you know, before internet marketing was a big thing, you mm -hmm. know, probably even harder to get taken seriously as a young, you know, a really young person trying to get it going. And so where was that kind of shift for you? where yeah. success started to show up? Well, it was d d definitely difficult. Um, I was one of the first distributors in Canada for the company I was with too. So that <laughs> to put another challenge. But you know what's interesting, Adrian, is that's what that didn't help me at the very beginning was thinking like that. Like thinking, oh, I'm new and I was young and I had all these disadvantages until somebody told me those are all your advantages. Like you're young, you're, you're not the 40 year old who heard about it for the first time. You're the 23 year old now. Now, by the time you're 40, you can be a millionaire. And, you know, they, they, my mind shifted like that. But what happened to me before was I, I dabbled in a little bit of modeling on top of my corporate job. So when I uh, went into modeling and I was getting paid a lot more money, I was like, ding, ding, ding. There's way more better ways to make money out there than at this corporate job. But I knew I didn't want to do modeling. So yeah. that's when I went on the search. So that was my, my shift as in I can make money without having to go to college or you know university. And then when I got in uh, to the industry, again, I thought that I had a disadvantage. Once I turned that into an advantage and I really came from that mindset, my posture changed, my confidence changed. Of course, the personal development was helping me change. So that's how I, I, I believe that I became successful was when I just shifted that thought. Yeah, that's, uh, there's such a nugget right there because it, for wherever you are in life, your tendency is to assume, oh, I'm too young. Oh, I'm too old. Oh, I'm too fat. Oh, I'm too skinny. Oh, I'm too credentialed. Oh, I'm not credentialed enough, whatever it is. And it's all a bunch of baloney, right? Because yeah. the truth is that all of those things are advantages if you see them as such, and you are able to kind of make that shift. And so that's, I just think there's, that's a really powerful thing. Yeah, it's amazing. And who you are and where you've come from and where you're going. I want to talk a little bit about the, the process that you see. You got into your company 23 years ago. And what I'm trying to tell everybody is never quit because she never quit. They changed their name. They went private. They went public. They went private. They changed their comp plan. They have reinvented themselves over and over and over again. And a lot of good people left. And Kim and a few friends of mine stuck around. And all I'm going to tell you, and the, the quote has been attributed to Richard Brooke and to Al Schreider. And they argue, they both say the other guy said it. But what they basically said was, find the next company you're going to have all kinds of problems with and never quit <laughs> which i think is profound stuff don't you yes yes because you just stuck around and here you are at the top of the mountain so to speak obviously there's way a long way up for you to go if you want to mm -hmm. but you never quit you stayed the course you made the main thing the main thing which was the people in your organization and the rest is history. And there's so many people that are just wandering generalities that are going, well, I'm going to join five companies just to be on the safe side. No, that's joining five companies is being on the unsafe side. 
get in there, get pregnant and go. Right. <laughs> I like, oh, I like it. I like it. That was so true. It's so true. I mean, it's so funny because I, it feels weird to say I've been with it, you know, with the company for 23 years. I'm like, it doesn't seem like 23 years. And it is amazing in this industry. Uh, I mean, I'm a legend at 48 years old in my company. I mean, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty yeah. a legend, right? Uh, I love it. Uh, but, but uh, for me, you know, uh, I, I'm sticking around. Of course, I love what we do, but I love the people. And, and, and I'm here for the people and, and I'm not going to leave my people and I'm not going to just, I just, that's just what we're, I, this is just my philosophy. And I, and I know that if I go somewhere else, I'm going to work, I'm going to have to work a lot harder <laughs> and, and I not, don't necessarily want to do that. I mean that in a very positive way, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it is, it is what it is, but I, I, I think that there speaks volumes for people who do stick around, uh, stick and stay. You'll get your pay is, is what they say. And I can, darn toot. And that's exactly what I did uh, here. But of course you have to do the activity, right? <laughs> you can't just stick and stay and get paid. You got to do something. One of the, one of the most important things is building a culture, building a system and having a mission. And your old buddy, John Milton Fogg asked me, there it is on the screen to ask you what you think about that, how important it is to have a team with a mission, a culture and a system hundred percent. I mean, hundred percent. Listen, there's going to be ups and downs. And like you said, in, in, in your corporation at the home office, right. Or, or wherever they are. And you need to be able to, um, you know, have that culture in your team and that mission. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just one of those things we've always are. We like to have fun. <laughs> That's one of our missions. We love finances and we love our family. Uh, our team is called the Melia family. I mean, that's what we are. That's our name. And, and so, you know, our mission is to really go create as many uh, people who want to be stay at home mom and dads or be, you know, to be able to live a life I call work from anywhere, right? My, one of my business partners lives in Panama. I live in Mexico. The other one lives in Florida. We definitely work from anywhere. So, you know, just the culture, we've built a lot of culture in our team, which means we've played a lot of games. We've done a lot of sports together. Uh, we've done just really creative things during COVID on, on Zooms and stuff like that. And it's been a blast. It's been so much fun to hang out with our family. I see them more than my family sometimes now. You know, <laughs> that's the truth. They're, sometimes I see them a lot more than I see my actual family. We're All coming right. up to our favorite part, which is the commercial break with the Genesis Communication Network. Everybody loves their commercials. Thank you so much, Ted Anderson, for having us on the radio almost as long as Kim has been in this profession and with her company. We are forever indebted to you. We're going to come back right after this on the Legacy Leadership Show with Adrian and Tom. Well done, Mr. Radio Host. That I'm was just good. all over it, aren't I? <laughs> well, we got John Milton Fogg on here and Richard Brooke, at least, and just icons in the so profession. And John, us. don't you worry. We're going to be talking all about the orphanage. We're just we're going to save that. <laughs> That's for in the, the long not segment. the next one, but the next segment, John. Because what we the reason Kim's on here is because she and so many people are making what's going on in Guatemala happen. So, yeah, that's why we wanted her to be in this initial iteration of the new show and the new philosophy. And we'll get you on here one of these days, John. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> we love John. He's awesome. All right. So I really quick, I hope that at least in Espanol, your nickname for the team is the Familia because that just seems like a very obvious one to roll with. <laughs> but next year you should take them, you take them to Amelia Island. Ah. That would be unbelievable. All right. We're unbelievably you're a, witty. You're a pun one-upper. All right. <laughs> so you, you talked about how important the people are. And on the other side of this commercial, I want to talk a little bit about retention and some of the things that you have done there. But talk about the relationships that you have built and how important those relationships have been for you, Kim. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, well, first of all, I'm a pretty outgoing person in general and social person. So I love people. Um, I think that's a good thing to have when you're in this business, but there's a lot of introverts that do amazing too. Right. Um, and, but I just have always loved to help people. And for me, the relationships are everything. So, you know, the relationships are one thing. Now people that are maybe new in the last couple of years, it's zoom. So you don't necessarily know the color of their carpet or, 
the name of their kids or their dog or stuff like that. But that's what I've always prided ourselves on is that we've been to their houses. We've been to their barbecue, their family barbecues. We hang out with them and we, we do those things. We go bowling and we, we do lots of fun things together because I believe that, you know, the team that plays together stays together. And that might be a little cliche ish, but it's not, it's, it's true. I mean, we, we have rarely had many leaders uh, leave our company um, during times when you would think that, you know, they would leave. Um, mm -hmm. not would think, but there's a lot leaving and, and we're blessed with that is because it, it is really because of those solid relationships that my, my partners and I have, and I learned them from the beginning, but I can tell you that, I mean, at the beginning, very, very beginning, I was like building a team and then I kind of became management mode and became a boss. And my partner, uh, Mike basically told me that that's not what you do. And he didn't say it very nicely to me. <laughs> he was trying to be as blunt as he could, but being nice and it hurt my feelings, but I understood it. And I understood I was way in this bossy mode. I was young. Remember I was 23, 24 yeah. building a team up, doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden I was like, how come, how come you guys aren't, you know, you know, working like this, not doing this and all that, all the things that I hated a boss to do to me. And, um, and then I realized what I was doing that, that, that's, that's not what that we're in relationship marketing. We're here about building dreams and people up and not knocking them down. If they're going to do ones and twosies and they're not going to show up to something, don't get mad. Just love them anyways. Cause we know it's the 80, 20 rule, right? 80% of the people do 20% of the work, but 20, you know, those 20 percenters, um, you want to, you want to, you want to love, well, I mean, the 80 percenters, you want to love them. You want to hold them just as tight as the 20 percenters, maybe not spend as much time uh, with them, but you want to do as much as you can in those relationships. So I just believe, you know, yes, texting's good, but calling a person, zooming now, uh, FaceTiming, all those things, just connecting personally, uh, through whatever you can, a video, I'll send a video to somebody, you know, a personal video, I'll send yeah. them a personal yeah. development, anything. All right. Yeah. Let's go back to the show. We're coming back right now. And we're back. It's the legacy leader ship a radio show with adrian i can't say it very well for some reason but that's the show there. we've got oh, we're getting there how you doing adrian i am doing great this is a really fun conversation and kim we were talking before the break just about how your team is it, you it's you even call it the Amelia family that it's it's really has this this family sort of feel and and set of values around it and uh, one of your business partners, Mike, was talking about that you've never lost a six-figure earner to another company. And, I, you know, that's for somebody that is in the position that you're in, that's really rare. Like that's, you know, that's usually kind of talked about is just kind of the what's good. You know, if you're around 23 years, like that's just going to happen. And we also talked about that you are your company and, and you know, everything in your life. You're, you're not a stranger to choppy waters. And so when the water has gotten deep and, and drama has shown up from the company or within, you know, relationships in the team, whatever it is, like, what is it that has allowed you to retain important people to your business through thick and thin? Great question. Great question. <laughs> well, I will say, and just, you know, of course, there's a lot of different relationships that you have with people, but I also um, uh, had a a marriage. I was married to one of the Amelia's and we broke up and now I'm still around, which doesn't really happen where the ex-wife sticks around. Right. So it has been interesting as Jim Rome would say, fascinating at times. However, <laughs> I am um, unconditional love is unconditional love, right? Unconditional love means there's no condition to the love. Like, so, I mean, there's no condition. There's nothing I can say. That means no matter what they do, you still love them. And I still love, you know, my partner, Steve, I'm just not a good partner in that way. I'm a good business partner with him. And the same thing with partners in my business or the same thing with other people from other teams. Oh, I've been in fight with other people in other teams for sure. Right. Over stupid stuff, usually over a prospect and the prospect's usually wrong. But anyways, that's another story. So, but I keep on going with unconditional love. Now, this wasn't um, always, this wasn't 23 years. Kim's just this spiritual person that thinks like this all the time. It's come over time. And I know now um, in, the, in the last, you know, good 10 years of being in the industry, 23 years that don't burn any bridges. Like, and we all are growing. I mean, I joined when I was 23. I joined with some of my best friends that were 20-ish and 30. So now we're growing up in the industry in the same company. It's really cool, but we've had our ups and downs just like brothers and sisters or aunts and uncles or anybody. So I would say just really realizing that, you know, taking your ego out of it, you know, what, 
you know, why you love that person anyways in the first place, if they have a different opinion on something or a way of doing things. But I think communicating. So communication is key. You've got to communicate. We're good at communication. And somebody commented, you speak English extremely well for being in Mexico. <laughs> I, that's unbelievable. I think so, too. So I just want to give you a little shout out. I hope you speak Spanish <laughs> equally as well. And Canadian, since you're from there, too. But that's very, very exciting. And we believe in the BLTSs over at Contact Mapping. Uh, we think that if people feel like they belong, if they feel like they are loved, if they feel they can trust us and that we they are safe with us, there is a major chance that they're going to stick around through thick and thin. And you have proven that. And all, all of you out there, people are going to leave you as quickly as they came in if you don't have those BLTSs set up with your teams. And create that culture of love, that culture of belonging. Let them know that you are there for the long haul. So they set their life up that way, knowing that trouble is going to happen, but they're going to make it through it, right? That's, that's totally right. And when people know that that's the case, they're, you know, even when you screw up, even when things don't go the way, even when maybe you make a commitment that because of something else that happens outside of your control, you end up breaking those commitments. If you have that foundation, people are going to, they're going to believe you when you say, you know, when you own up to those things and they're going to stick with you and that stuff really matters. And this, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. This is, you are, every business is a people business. Network marketing is a people business exponentially more. And being able to do that, being able to have that foundation of trust and of love and to live into unconditional love, like that's, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing. To, it's, it's far more costly, but far more powerful to live it out, isn't it, Kim? It absolutely is. And, you know, I just know with the relationships I have that people can trust to call me and feel comfortable. You know, they can call me and they can say things to me that they may not have said to another leader or something else or somebody else. And, and, and it's so important. It's also important when people aren't doing that well in the business that you still love them that you pay attention to them, that you say their name, you acknowledge them. Um, I think, you know, you know, it's, it's easy. It's not easy, but walking down the street, if you smile at somebody, it's easy, but most people don't do that. Like I love here in Mexico, everybody says, you know, buenas tardes, buenas, buenas dias. It's, you know, it's always greeting people and why not? Why not greet people like that? Why not make them feel important? I mean, we know these things, but how often do we do them? It's, yep. it's extremely important. All right, let's take yet another break, but this is a much longer break. We're going to have some fun through it, and uh, we're going to come back. It's the Genesis Communication Network. Adrian Chenault, Tom Chenault. I love this little Kim Melia, and you are going to understand why right after this break. Stick around. And we're back. All right. Well done. That was a good. How about we, my, that wife? Segment, my wife? Is she's blowing, all over. My wife's blowing this up, Kim on the private text saying, we, I love her. We've got to go down to Mexico. We got to go visit her. She just loves your vibe. And that's very, very exciting. That's her with the dog. Oh, so, cute. Well, you're more than welcome. More than welcome. I'd love to show you this beautiful area of Mexico that hardly it? anybody knows about. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You guys are under the radar. <laughs> Talk about where in Mexico you guys are. Oh, I don't know if I should. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, there's about 30,000 expats here, um, you know, within the right season, but I would say about 20,000 all the time. And it's called Lake Chapala. And it is the biggest freshwater lake in Mexico, surrounded by mountains, 75 to 85 degrees every day. No humidity, no dryness, and it's full of the Mexican culture and families and everything mixed in with a bunch of Canadians, a bunch of Americans, and a few Europeans. Spell it. Um, uh, lake and then Chapala, C-H-A-P-A-L-A. -A -A. Okay, good. So cool. And Austin went down there and saw him. Austin Zulop, I yeah. saw him. Yes. He's such a spoiled brat. I yes. saw him. Yeah, we actually live in Ajijic, so I'll spell that A-J-I-J-I-C, which is part of Lake Chapala. Very cool. Yeah, we love Austin Zuloff, too. He's a good oh, kid. He had a great time here. Really, really fun. Love that guy. Yes. So, Kim, so how long have you guys been living in Mexico now? Not that long. A couple years? Three years. Three years. So I've done the expat thing before. I guess you've been effectively doing the expat thing forever, but even more expat, even more yes. further removed from, from a lot of the people that you've been connected with physically. 
how have you been intentional about maintaining relationships when you're not seeing a lot of the people that you had built community with in California and other places you've lived? Uh, how have you been intentional about maintaining those relationships? Again, communication's key, you know, communication's everything. So uh, just always knowing, um, well, paying attention to the numbers, paying attention to people. Uh, but it, to me, you know, we moved at the perfect time because COVID pretty much happened right after that. So everything was on Zoom, right? So it was, we actually turned everything into Zoom. So one of the ways that we communicated mostly with the team was every day at noon, we did a Zoom for 15 minutes. Just, you know, it's called our team spirit Zoom. And all it is is literally team, team spirit. Do whatever, maybe success stories, maybe something funny, maybe a video, maybe something about, you know, the orphanage. I mean, we just had constant contact. There was three Zooms a day, if not more, that we would be inviting our team to. Now, it wasn't always trainings, obviously, but uh, I think that that was the biggest thing uh, for me. And just, you know, just using as much videos and stuff like that and and, and text messages and, and things like that. But people love that we can work from anywhere. Yeah. So it's intriguing. Anything like off the wall that you that you found really worked great on doing Zooms and stuff like that, that people just loved that was goofy or that you, you know, was kind of a silly idea that now everybody loves or anything like that? Um, what did I do? Uh, well, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. We did. Oh, we did some family feud. Like, yeah, we played some really funky games. We did bingo, family feud. Oh, there was something else. We did another game show. <laughs> we did all sorts of like just fun things. Um, we just did like have wine with us. That's not really off the wall, but we really did some fun like game shows. And, you know, we had people really playing on there and it was, it was fun. It was funky. It was different. <laughs> so here's the deal. Inside of COVID and there's an, there's a guy out there. I can't think of his name, but Dr. Ben Hardy has it in his book, Who Not How that the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. It is true human connection. And living inside of that and watching all these people completely isolated in the COVID, watching the rise in addiction on all fronts, the rise in depression on all fronts, it isn't like it's a sales tactic or a business tactic. It is a human being tactic that you're doing right now whereby you are keeping people literally alive with the way that you build relationships and love and connection. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. Yeah. All of you, all of you need to pay attention to that. And the way that you do that is go get the contact mapping app and we will turn you into the great rememberer. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just scroll down on my Facebook wall because somebody literally wrote a song about it called Ellen Loveless. And it was performed by Nemo Warfield and Alexandra Pena. And it is going to make your pants want to get up and dance. We're coming back to the show right now. And we're back. It's the Leadership Legacy Radio Show, or actually the Legacy Leadership Radio Show with Adrian Chenault and Tom Chenault. And I did that on purpose, but I did it well. <laughs> and I hope you're having a fun time, Adrian, running this show. And now we're talking about what we're talking about. Yep. We're going to go deep and uh, talk about her orphanage and some people that gave some money to it and just catch people doing things right. Take it away. That's, that's exactly it. So this is the Legacy Leadership Show. And we what we're really talking about is, you know, I think great leaders think in terms of the lasting impact that they're creating. And so, Kim, I want you to talk about what you what is your vision of the lasting impact that you are creating and then talk about how this whole thing came to, to be, because I think it's just such an incredible story. You know, I didn't know that I would find my purpose in my industry, my company. I didn't, I mean, I thought my purpose was, you know, really what I was doing. Um, but I think there's always something a little bit more that we have inside of us, you know, whether it's writing a book or a hit song or whatever, doing something. And, and I'm just really blessed that this came into my life and I'll tell you about it in a second, but how it came into my life to know that, that I, uh, along with, of course, a whole bunch of other people, but I, I uh, spearheaded the project now for over 10 years and going there and bringing groups to the orphanage and whatnot. But it, to know that we're changing the legacy, even if, even if it's one child <laughs> uh, there in Guatemala, it brings, you know, tears to my eyes and it just warms my heart because 
again, you know, how are we ever going to change what happens in the world in their world if we don't give one kid an opportunity and give another kid an opportunity and give another kid an opportunity to change their legacy? So part of me, you know, changing our legacy and what we do with, with at work, play, love um, has turned into really a ripple effect. And I think that that to me is the biggest thing of seeing it's not about what we do now. It's about what these kids are doing and that, that they're going to continue to do what they see and how they are receiving unconditional love. So how it all really started was my business partner was on an airplane after an event and somebody was wearing a bunch of pulseras, which are bracelets, a whole bunch of them. And he's like, why are you wearing so many bracelets? And the guy said, well, I just talked about it. You know, I was talking about an orphanage I support in Guatemala. He said, tell me a little bit more about it. And we were looking to support an, or, an organization that we could put our money directly to that we, we would know that 100% or close to the 100% of the money would go to. We've done stuff with Make-A-Wish Foundation, Boys and Girls Club, all fantastic organizations. But what we found as a team was we weren't getting the impact that we wanted to be able to fundraise again, right? And, and again, and again, to see what they have really done. And so when he met this gentleman on an airplane and they showed him a video, literally just a video of kids. And, and, and then um, my partner, Steve, and I went out to the orphanage just about two months later to see if it was real, because it's one thing to show pictures. It's one thing to, to have videos of kids. And my, the, my partner ended up stroking them a check and showing them what you know they, they got from it. But we said, well, this might not even be real. We don't know. So we just hopped on a plane. We brought our niece and nephew out with us. She had just graduated from um, NY Film School. So she filmed the whole thing, put a video together. But long story short, we went there. Soon as the plane landed and the wheels hit the ground, I got chills so bad, so good, I should say, so good that I knew I was I was at my second home or I was at my original home where I'm supposed to be. It was eerie in a sense because it's a third world country. I mean, there's people with shotguns everywhere and, you know, gangs and cartel and you name it. But I was not afraid, knock on wood, I'm aware. Okay. I'm not, it's not that I, you know, I'm not aware, but I wasn't afraid. And soon as, and I didn't know what I would have in common with 75 boys, little boys. I don't have children of my own. I was never blessed to. And I really was kind of freaked out, but I was excited. So when we went there, you know, we met the owners. They're amazing. They're like family now to us. We go and spend Christmas with them, which we are tomorrow. And I know their aunts and their uncles and their mothers and all their kids and stuff like that. And it really truly is a blessing. And so we have done, we have done that now for 10 years, but for the first year, two years, it was just a boys orphanage. And then we um, ask them what they want. That's a difference between another nonprofit and ours. And I know there's a lot of great ones, but a lot of people go out to different places, especially, especially second world, third, third world countries. And they want to like say, you guys need this. You need to do this. You need, and trust me, there's a lot of needs that we think they need, but what they really need is they need to tell me what they need. What's their immediate need in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next year. And the owner of the orphanage said, we have this land and we'd love to build a girl's orphanage. So not only are the boys going to be at an orphanage, at least they have their sisters beside them. They still have family. And I said, sounds amazing to me. Um, and she, she, they, they went ahead and did the drawing of it. I never even saw it, the architect and everything. And they thought it would cost around $72,000, which we raised uh, $72,000 in 60 days. This is where was, was when everything was going down sour with our economy, if you guys remember a few short years ago. And people would say to me, Kim, you're not going to be able to raise money for kids in Guatemala. Look at the kids here in America. Look at the kids in Canada. Look at the kids here. And I was like, well, my, my heart has no borders. Our hearts should have no borders. It's not like I only give to this kid in Guatemala. I mean, let's just think globally. Let's think a little bigger than that. And, and, and so ever since then, we raised that money, but it turned out to be $150,000 to build the girls' orphanage. And it's a princess palace. Yes, it's a princess palace. It's the only princess palace orphanage in the entire world that I know of. And it's because these girls, there's 30 of them, these girls are beaten, abused, left alone. Um, I mean, you name it, just horrible things. And if they can live a little bit of a fairy tale life and actually you know, dress up as princesses once or twice a year, live in this palace and feel like, feel loved, feel cared for, feel, feel just amazing about the people who are there and that they have a future, then, then that's what we want to do. And that's what we've created. We help the boys renovate their orphanage in a superhero orphanage. So we painted all superheroes and did a bunch of stuff for them. And, 
And uh, that's kind of the theme. They're the superheroes and the girls are the princesses. And, the, you know, the truth is, of course, it's not really fairy, fairy tale. When we go to the orphanage tomorrow, there's going to be a girl or a boy or a couple of them with a really bad cold or a flu or something going on that's in their life. And they don't have somebody to hug them and, and, and hold them at night and just, you know, sit and watch a movie with them or cry with them. It's, it's I mean, there, there's only one teacher for, you know, 10 to 15 kids. So I know I've gone on a lot. So maybe you want to no, ask. Well, well, that's pretty good. Richard Brooke just told me he's donating five hundred dollars to oh, work wow. love. So that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Was yeah, so me at all. Yeah, I'll match that. So there's no uh, problem. So now you got a thousand bucks. Oh my gosh! Thank you guys. You thank you. Nothing. It's a great world we live in. Yeah. So, I want to keep talking about this, but for our friends on the radio, it's workplaylove.org is where you can go and learn more about this. And we'll keep sharing because there's a couple other really cool things going on. But I just, I know there's a bunch of you hanging on, listening, going, okay, well, tell me where I go find this thing. So it's workplaylove.org. But Kim, you went down there, you, you go and you see this thing. And did you know then that this was like, than the rest of your life? Like when did that happen where you, it went from this is a project that we're going to raise some money for to something that is so central to your heart? It, the moment, the moment I landed, I knew I was there for a purpose, like I said, but the moment I met the kids and Karen and Suardo, which are the owners of the orphanage and they're there every day. Um, I knew then I just, I just knew, I just knew this is, this is, this is my kids. This is, this is not my kids. It's our kids. It's all of our kids, but this is where I belong to be able to help as much as I can. And I knew that our team would be behind it. Our family would be behind it. And I knew that there would be lots of family and friends that wanted to be behind it as well. So when you first hug a kid, when they hug you, actually, they hug you first, Adrian, they come up to you. I mean, you they they attracted to you so you basically will know which kids are attracted to you they all love you but there's certain ones that just don't leave you from the moment that you get there and you're just like okay and here's what's interesting the lady karen who owns the orphanage who started it when she was 16 years old started doing volunteer work and doing an orphanage she um a little boy went up to her and this is her story a little boy went up to her when she was volunteering for at school like on a field trip right at, a, at an orphanage said hey are you here just one time? Or are you going to be here forever? I mean, can you imagine what your heart? And of course she was probably playing with the kid all day. And she said, I'm here forever. And that was her calling. It just gives me shivers now. That's how it was for me. It didn't happen where a kid said, are you coming back? Although I've seen kids say that to the people that I've, we've brought there for sure. And, um, and they, they've come back, but, uh, that's the type of people they are. They, to me, are my mentors, my angels. Uh, they are spiritual gurus. They are amazing people. If I could be a half an ounce of what Karen and Estuardo are in the orphanage, I know that I, I've led a very good life and leaving the legacy. Yeah. So <laughs> I was just Richard Brooks commenting like crazy. He's trying to get me to bid it up. Here's what I heard. <laughs> and so am I. I heard that Brian Carruthers not only gave you 10 grand and presented you with a check that I saw, but I brought it up to you and you told me that he came back with even more money. And you know what I love is people doing that. They're recognizing that their contribution is better in your hands than in the hands of a bunch of people with a bunch of expenses that they're raking before they give it to the people. You guys are putting a hundred and actually 110% of every dollar that comes in into those girls and boys. And I love that. I, uh, when I announced that you were going to be on the show, I had a great, you know, I looked all over and you're a very attractive woman and I'm sure you were a model and all that bull money, but I'll tell you what, I didn't want that picture. I wanted that picture of you all sweaty down there on that bench with those kids because we saw your heart. And that's what I love about you. And I love about the promise of this profession, because if you work at it hard enough for long enough, there's a very there's a chance, not a good chance, just a chance that you're going to have at some point more money than you have month. And to meet somebody that's done it and give it back is beyond belief. And I love you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Building the orphanage too. We received a $20,000 donation by uh, Mr. Self and uh, Mr. Humes, which are pretty big in this industry too, Darnell and Michael Humes. And they donated 20 grand that helped us build the orphanage. Yeah, We've received some very, very um, humbling gifts from people like you guys right now. And, and I'm really stoked about that because there's a lot of nonprofits during this COVID era <laughs> that we call it that uh, went out of business. Yeah. 
Kim, it's awesome. You know, these, these big gifts are really cool, but you told me when we were chatting before the show about something that is not a lot of money that could just be incredible for these kids. Talk about what you guys are doing at Christmas time. I'm so excited. So I've taken the kids shopping before, but it's always like they need jeans and they need shorts and underwear, you know, like this is the things that they have to get. And so this time we're taking all the kids. Look at the joy. Except for the little ones. The little ones, we're buying their presents because it's that would be a little crazy. We're not there long enough. But we're taking uh, the mediums and grandes. We call them the medianos and grandes. We're taking them shopping on a shopping spree. $40 per kid is a shopping spree that they will buy whatever they want. And, of course, that's $40 there is like having $100 to $120 probably for a kid, which is a significant amount. And we will go to a consignment store because that's what we do. Um, and uh, they'll have a lot of fun. So whether it's shoes or toys or jewelry or, or you know, whatever they want, they can have whatever they want. It's going to be a blast. So it's $40 a kid to take one kid or two kids, however many kids you want on a shopping spree. So awesome. So go to workplaylove.org right now. Throw in 40 bucks and give one of these kids the greatest Christmas of their life. And I just, I can't imagine how beautiful that is going to be. So we're going to take one more break. We'll be right back after the break here with Kim Melia. So stick around. That is so cool. What a segment that was. Nailed it. You are, (laughs) you know what I love about you is the joy behind your eyes. I mean, you are just pouring that i mean we know that this is authentic and that's what we're looking for here and you're showing people after a a lot of hard work for a long time that it pays off at the end of the rainbow here and thank you for that so take it away thank you that's a very very sweet compliment thanks fact jack (laughs) (laughs) man so i want to talk about the great rememberer for a second just because i think that why don't you play it uh, I don't know that I can get there that fast. All right. So here's the deal. I'm going to talk. You try to play with it. So here's the deal. And we'll get in trouble with Tom Sheffield. I'll, I'll take the heat. So here's the deal. This is so funny because this Nemo Warfield and his wife and his girlfriend, fiance, wife to be Alexandria Pena found out that somebody had made a video for us, a song, written a song for us about remembering. And they made, they did the words and it's going to be amazing for you right now. So okay. we want you to see it because I want each and every one of you to become the great rememberer. And we've got time to do it, I think. Do you? Yeah. Okay. It's going to blow your mind. So um, you guys want to watch this because this was the nicest thing, the nicest compliment anybody could have paid to Adrian and I and any of you great rememberers out there. Take it away, Adrian. Now here is the secret on how you should start. You 
said these guys did that out of the kindness of their heart and surprised us with it didn't charge us a penny all we gave them was a great remember a t-shirt and we didn't even have them in vintage yet we had to make the shirt <laughs> and uh what a day and it just goes to show you that this business is so beautiful because all we want to do is be remembered and there is such joy in remembering. And that's how Kim has been so successful and actually how Adrian's been so successful. And I haven't done bad. So that's pretty cool. I like the Richard Simmons outfit too. Oh, aren't they adorable? So, uh, oh. <laughs> All right. So we're going to come back here in, we'll do it at 15 seconds past. So hold on. And we're back. It is the Legacy Leadership Radio Show with Adrian Chenault and Tom Chenault. And it's a great day here, Adrian. We have had one of the best shows we've ever had. And it is all heart. And I love that. And we're supposed to be deep thinkers here. Instead, we were deep lovers. And she said something that was so profound earlier that I wanted to talk about, but I never got a word in edgewise. So I'm going to talk now. And that is about unconditional love. There's no negotiation around that. It's either unconditional love or it's not. And I like to play like I'm an unconditional love kind of person. And as she was talking about that, I realized that I'm not. And it's something to strive for. And I want you to all think from there, like where are you being conditional in love and where are you being unconditional in love and make it a goal to be an unconditional love person. And that's a little bit how my wife lives her life. And it's pretty doggone cool. And I'm so arrogant and so shallow that I don't even try to strive to that until I heard that come out of your mouth. But that's a beautiful thing. And you're all at that way, too. I mean, not me. So Which way? Which way is he? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question inside of that, because you, it, I noticed the exact same thing. I'm really glad you brought that up because you mentioned it early talking about your network marketing business. And then you repeated it again, talking about these kids. And so unconditional love that's that's not something that comes out of everybody's mouth why is how did that become such a core value for you you know i think being at the orphanage too i'm a big michael singer fan so for those of you who are michael singer Surrender fans, experiment untethered soul autobiography of a yogi and now his newest book beyond the untethered soul i haven't ever heard of him <laughs> so <laughs> So he's uh, Untethered Soul. I actually received that from my business partner, Mike, um, about 11 years ago. Um, and, and it was right before I was going through my divorce. And I picked it up. And I, the first couple of pages, I didn't get. So I put it down. But when I picked it up, when I was going through my, my divorce, it made all sense. I don't know why, but it was just the right time for me, right? So that, that just being um, as one of my gurus, but also being the biggest thing is being at the orphanage. And I, I'm not an orphan. I, I have my mother and my father, who I call my father today, but I, I grew up in a household of abuse till I was three. And my mom, thank goodness, left my father, uh, my biological father, and I met my real father. And he really taught me a lot of unconditional love. I mean, he took on three kids. Uh, he had a Corvette, <laughs> then he turned into a Corvette to a station wagon <laughs> for three kids and, and has been my father ever since, even though my parents split up. So he's really, and my mother, of course, but somebody who's a stranger coming into your life that now is, you know, has never left you. Even when they got divorced, he's never left me. He's always unconditional love me. And so was my mom. And so that I, they've been a very good role model for me. So when I went to the orphanage too, and I remember this is 10 years ago, you 
like, I mean, there's snotty noses, it's lice, they're dirty, they pee themselves. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to look at that side of it, like how, like, I remember one time actually going to the orphanage with my mom and, and she hadn't gone there for the first couple of years, but then she ended up living in Guatemala for a few years, which was amazing. Uh, she, there was, we were picking out lice. This is something common, not so common anymore, thank goodness, but it was common that you see the girls picking out lice. I was like, mom, we need to help them. And she was like, I'm not doing that. I was like, what do you mean doing what you're above picking out lice of this beautiful little princess girl. And she was kind of upset at me at first, but of course the next thing, you know, she was out, she was all in there loving it. Right. Cause we were trying to do the rice vinegar because then too many chemicals. My point is unconditional love is unconditional. These kids come from nothing and, and they're battered and abused and used and they want to sit on your lap and they want to hug you and they want to do all this stuff. And, and if you can get over this facade of on the outside, then you can start to look at what's truly inside. Here's the thing. If we truly listen to people's stories, we would love them. There you go. Brene Brown. So the name of the game, all of you. And what's so funny is as well as your sidekick knows John Milton Fogg, I was the one that turned him on to the surrender experiment. And I'm very proud of that. So very thank cool. you very much, folks. That's pretty cool. And go ahead. Amazing. Who's our guest next week? Say goodbye. Yeah, we got to, I mean, we got to, we got a little bit more. Oh, time, oh yeah. But, uh, but Ivan Meisner and Brian Hilliard are our guests next week, and it is going to be one heck of a show. Yeah. So Brian Hilliard went to Duke. He co wrote a book with Ivan Meisner. He's not as well known, but the guy is a flat out beast. We love him. <laughs> Ivan just got home from the Antarctic. The week before that, he was down on Richard Branson's Necker Island, and he's going to space. So like Kim, he is a guest to be reckoned with. And so is Brian, right? Yeah, no, no doubt about it on either one of them. And and, man, and then Ryan. Richard Brooke gave us Joe Soto the following week. And that was, uh, he's going to be something else too. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Kim, what you're doing with these orphans, what you're doing, building a business that brings people into that vision together with you to feel a part of it and to just, you know, you, I'm sure there's a, you know, you couldn't have even imagined that this would all f flow and gel and come together in the way that it has. But I'm so grateful to you for staying with that vision, for staying with it through a divorce and through all the things that, you know, so many things that could have knocked you off of that course, but that course was so important for you to do. And I think for every one of us to be able to look at that and to say, how do I, how do I find something that is bigger than me that I put myself into? And then I help others to come along that journey. And we do a lot of good in the world and we make a lot of money and we have a lot of fun and we create all of this goodness together. That is such the, the beauty and the model and the promise of what's possible in network marketing. And so thanks for, for giving us an example of that, Kim, and for giving us a look under the hood. You've been awesome, and we love you. Thanks for, for being with us today. See everybody next week. Thank it's been the leadership, Legacy Leadership Radio Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye, Kimmy. Thanks, guys. Namaste. Bye-bye. Right. Stay here. You were great. That was an unbelievable job.